Good morning. Right? My wife will greet you and then she will take a seat. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody. I'm happy to be with you all here. God bless you. Amen. <clears throat> so she wants to leave me alone to talk. Anyway, so, um, yeah, Vidal and Marie, my wife, God has blessed us with three kids, and we are from Freetown, Sierra Leone. So Sierra Leone is the country, and Freetown is the capital. We want to be grateful to Pastor Rich and the leadership team here at Real Life to, for the opportunity to be here this morning and to share. Um, we are grateful and we are very excited to be here amongst you. We thank God for the Church of the Nazarene. You know, um, the church keeps sending missionaries. And the reason why we are here this morning is because the church sent missionaries to our country and we had an encounter with Christ. And today, we have now also become missionaries going from place to place, sharing the word of God. And so we are grateful once again to be here this morning. Let's start with the slides. Okay, so this is the map of our country, and I'll be sharing um, briefly this morning on what we title, A Story of the Power of Grace. That is to say, what the grace of God can do in the life of a man, how God's grace can transform us, how God's grace can transform not just lives, but also communities. And so that is what we are going to be looking at. So I start with the story of my wife. So my wife is from a Muslim family. And so um, her parents, everybody in their family background, they are all Muslims. And so... She goes to a Muslim school, and she finishes that school, and the parents want her to learn how to become a caterer. Um, is that what you call it here? Yeah, a caterer. She prepares food. And so, um, looking all around the city of Freetown, um, they could not find any school, any Muslim school that offers catering to young girls. You know, so they decided, well, they had only one option. And that one option was the YWCA. You know that is Christian, right? Perfect. So YWCA was the choice. And so she started going to YWCA to learn, to study. But meanwhile, when all her time in, in a primary school, and back at home, learning, I mean, the, the routines of being a Muslim, she said she could not connect. And as I look at it, I see like what we call in the church, the prevenient grace, the grace of God that goes ahead of us. Like God knew who she would become. God knew what he was calling her to be. And so right from that early age, as a young girl, a Muslim, in a Muslim family, she could not just connect with the teachings of Islam. Especially her major struggle was the language, which is Arabic. So she could not connect. 
But the moment she stepped into YWCA, according to her, from the very first day, she felt, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to be. The songs, the hymns, the, the devotion, it all made sense to her. And so she felt so connected. And it was like, wow, I feel much more comfortable here than in the Muslim religion. Now, that was a big struggle because as a young girl, she can't just go home and tell her parents, well, you know what? I'm not a Christian. You know what will happen? You want to guess? Anybody knows what will happen? No. They will send her packing. They will send her out of the house. It's as bad as that. And so she remains in two worlds at home. She's a Muslim. But in, at YWCA, guess what? She's a Christian. And so she grows up and finishes that studies and then gets to the point where she actually um, encounters Christ and gives her life to Christ. She surrenders her life to Christ, makes the decision to follow Christ. By that time, she was finishing, and so she was grown up, and she was able to tell her family that, you know what, I am now a Christian. At that point, because she was grown up, there is little or nothing they can actually do about it. And so, um, when we got married, that was the very first time some of our family members ever entered into a church when we got married. And during that time, her eldest sister, she said categorically, she will never give her life to Christ. She will never find herself in the church. But listen to me as I'm speaking to you this morning, that same lady that said she will never give her life to Christ, she can never go to church. That same lady is not only in church now, she has given her life to Christ and she's serving Jesus with all of her life. Isn't God wonderful? It's amazing. So she's the first to get saved in her family and now her elder sister is saved and other members of the family are also getting saved. And it's just amazing how God, the grace of God can transform the life of a person. And that is why we should, in our reaching out to people, we should never give up on people because it is Christ that died for them. We cannot say this one cannot be saved or that one cannot be saved. Who would have known that a young girl born in a Muslim family, growing up to be a Muslim, growing up in a Muslim home, going to, went to a Muslim school, who would have known that years later, she will not just be a Christian, but she will be a pastor's wife. She will be traveling from place to place to share the gospel of Christ. Hallelujah. And so we make the switch from her to me now. I'm, I grew up in a Christian family, an Anglican family to be specific. And I happen to be the first son, and not just the first son, but the first child of my parents. And my dad, being who we are, the culture back home, the first son, the first child, basically, 
you have to be what your parents want you to be. I guess it's not that way in the States here, you know. Hello? Is it? No way. You cannot just tell your child you have to be a doctor. Well, my dad told me, you have to be an accountant. Well, he's my dad. Let's face it. I loved it. He was a banker. He was working in the bank. And he wanted me to be an accountant. He said, let's go for it. I was happy. I was excited. Went to school. Started studying and finished school. Um, started studying accounting, you know. And then I finally, he finally got me into the bank. Anyway, I worked in the bank for five years. And so... As I walked, there came a time I encountered Christ and I began to sense God was calling me into ministry. And so then, then I was ready like my wife. Well, she didn't tell her parents, but I did. And then I was ready for the big fight. My dad was like, no way. <laughs> you are going to be an accountant, not a pastor. It was like, where did you even get this from? Nobody in your family is a pastor. And I'm telling you, like 20 years ago, I was quite a young guy. And it was like, no way, you can't do this. You have to be an accountant. You have to make money. You have to live the life. And so by 1995, working in the bank for five years, I now thought it was time to answer the call of God. And my dad was mad. My mom was mad. My entire family were mad. My friends were all mad at me. They said, you are living certainty for uncertainty. Because for them, being an accountant, working in the bank, you're quite certain of the day of the month they receive your salary. You're certain of the financial benefits that comes with a bank, an accountant, and things like that. But for them, being a pastor, you are like lost. I mean, how can you be a pastor? So, well, somehow, somehow it happened. I left the bank and I started this local church. But to prove that God is God and he is the one that called me, it was in that same local church my dad got saved, my mom got saved, and my sisters got saved. Isn't God powerful? Can we give him a hand? So right there in Freetown, Sierra Leone, they all got saved, and we finally settled the issue. The fight was now over. But then, there was another fight. In my heart, in my own life, I understood the word of God to an extent. And I wanted to live my life for God. But I had the, the struggles inside. I'm sure most of you will understand what I mean. I struggled. In my heart, I wanted to live for God. In my heart, I wanted to do what God is saying to me. But I, I lacked the strength. I, I, whatever I want to do right, like Paul says... Evil is with me. Next slide, please. So, right in this free town, in 2004, the Church of the Nazarene sent missionaries to free town, our city, our country, Sierra Leone. 
And these missionaries began to teach. And somebody told me about them, and I went to this class. They were actually offering what they called um, theological education, um, a certificate and a diploma program in theology. And as I went to this class, I began to see and understand what God was trying to do in my life. The missionary began to teach, and these are some of the scriptures that he taught. Like Paul said, when I want to do good, the good I want to do, I find I cannot do it. The evil I do not want to do, that is what I find myself doing. So this was the struggle that I found myself in. That was the struggle I was in. I knew somehow that there is victory in Christ, but how to experience it in my life, it was not happening. And so at that point, I was at a place where I was, I was fed up with myself. I was disappointed in myself because I felt like I, I promised God I would live for you. But no sooner I leave the altar, I live a different life. I promised God, I will serve you. But no sooner I got up from the altar, something else happens. And so the, the, the burden of guilt and sin weighed me down. It pressed me down. I, I longed for a life of victory. I longed for a life of freedom where I will experience victory in Christ, freedom in Christ. You know? I longed to experience it, but it was just not happening. I was caught up in this struggle. And like Paul says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. This was my position. This was my place. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Let me slow down a little. Maybe you are at that same place today where you're struggling. You want to live for Christ, but the struggle is real. And let me help you understand that struggle is real. If you ever desire to live for God, you will face the struggle. The struggle within. Wanting to live for Christ, but the nature of sin is pulling you backwards. The nature of sin is taking you another direction. And so, as the missionary taught some of these scriptures, and he began to expound on them, I began to have an understanding. He spoke about... Um, the, the nature of sin, original sin, and personal sin, and how for personal sin we need God's, God's forgiveness, and how for original sin, the nature of sin, we need God to cleanse us. Then my eyes began to open. I realized that what I needed was for God to cleanse my heart. What I needed was for God to do his work in me. Next slide, please. Yeah, no, no, sorry. Sorry. So, yeah. Therefore, there is now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life, the law of the spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. 
this is what I longed for. It says, for what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of the sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. Wow. All of these scriptures began to make sense to me. And I realized God was about to do a work in my life. It says, for those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. Next slide, please. And so he explained, started talking about the second work of grace, how God can cleanse your heart from sin. How the grace of God, like where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. We are seen abounds. We are seen has destroyed. We are seen has broken down a life. The grace of God is strong, stronger than the power of sin to deliver us, to set us free, to cleanse us, and to put us, put us on the right path. It says, so this, is, this was one of my favorite scriptures. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy to be sanctified, to be set apart. The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God that your whole spirit, soul, and body are preserved, blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that has called you, and faithful is he who also will do it. If God has called us to live for him, then God is faithful to help us to live for him. If God has called us to live for him, then God is faithful to grant us his grace to be able to live for him. So I want to challenge you this morning as I share my story. If you are at that place of struggle, where you are struggling, you want to do right, but whenever you want to do right, evil is present with you. There is, there is the inner war going on inside your heart. There is a spiritual struggle. I want you to know this morning, the grace of God is available. God's grace will reach you where you are and he will grant you the second work of grace. The church has, we have various terms. I mean, um, heart cleansing, entire sanctification and all the rest of it. But God, it's, it's basically an experience in which God cleanses your heart and he fills your heart with love and you are equipped to do service both in and out of the church. And so that is how God's grace worked in my life. The struggle was over. And I was set free to live my life for Christ. Next slide, please. And so I call this story the transforming power of grace. The making of a holiness teacher and preacher. How God transformed my own heart and my life. And then he gave me a passion to reach the lost. Passion for church planting, discipleship. Leadership development and mentoring. Service in and out of the church. And so, this is the story. God cleansed my heart. God cleansed my life. And I was empowered to serve him. To live for him. Both inside and outside the church. Next slide, please. And so, um, having that experience, God um, led me to a three days, a time. I took a three days time off for a retreat. Just spending time with God. And I, I just wept before the Lord. I had lots of stuff in my heart. You know, 
like, I mean, envy, bitterness, unforgiveness, um, um, lots of struggles, a lot of things in my heart. Just the daily things we struggle with. And God helped me. And during that time with him, he just helped me with his presence, with his spirit. And I just found myself weeping and weeping before the Lord. Weeping before the Lord for those three days. And I, I found out by the third day, the burden was lifted from my heart. I found out that God has brought me into this experience of heart cleansing. We are in the power of sin was broken over my life and my heart was free. I left that place knowing that God has done a work in my heart. It was in that state that now God brought us to this continuity, to this community, this community, and of course, you recognize the person standing there? He looks like me? All right. What do you think, so what do you see um, at the back behind? Sorry? Trash. Garbage. Perfect. You're right. So you see the building, the cream color building at the back, like two-story? That's a primary school. And children, I mean young children, primary school children, they walk on this trash on the way to school. God led me to this community and to plant a church. We got to this community. This is what we discovered. It's a community I know because um, people drive past it every day. This is not actually a village. This is right in the city of Freetown. It is right in the city center. And there is a, there is a shortcut. You go through this and it takes you to the west part of the city. And so people drive through it with their windows up to avoid the stench. They don't want to see the sight. Everybody passes by. It's like the story of the Good Samaritan. The priest came, he met the man on the road, and said, um, time is against me. I need to be in church in the next five minutes. And he passed by. And not until the Good Samaritan came, and he decided to stop. So God brought us to this community, and it was like, God, how are we going to plant a church in this community with all of this trash? And God began to speak to us. And so decided to <clears throat> communicate with NCM, Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, and we were able to get some support to work with this. Um, so because of this trash, you know, um, this, it will breed um, mosquitoes. And mosquitoes <laughs> will eventually bring malaria. And so in this community, the young children under the age of five, they were dying every week. They were dying. They have a small health center in this community, and it was overwhelmed. Few staff, they could not handle it. The children were dying. And so the first thing God helped us to do, next please, was to give out bed nets through NCM. We were able to secure bed nets. And every family, well, we did a lot of background check, registered the families. And so every family with a child under the age of five received a bed net. And the children and their mothers began to sleep under the bed nets. Within a period of one year, the, the figures of death that was reported in that health center, it reduced about 65% because of the mosquito nets. So, 
we realized the mosquito nets were going to be a temporary solution. We had to deal with the problem. Are there not times in our lives where it's like God does some things in our lives, but yet there is a deeper work that he needs to do. We have experiences of God, with God, at certain points. Meanwhile, there is something else God needs to get to at the bottom of our lives. My prayer for you this morning, if there is anything that God needs to get to in the bottom of your life, may you receive the grace to open your heart for God to do his work in your life. Just like we are going to see how God worked in this community. Next slide, please. And so we had to secure tools and get ready to deal with the trash. Because when we say the, the, the mosquitoes, the malaria, they were basically the outcome of the trash. They were not the major issue. The major issue was the trash itself. Next slide, please. So we began to work. We engaged the leaders of the community and the young people in the community, both male and female, they came together and twice every month on Saturdays, the church will provide the logistics, we provide food, we provide water, we provide the tools, and then um, these men and these ladies, they will enter the ditch and they will begin to work. And we kept at it, kept working, and then within the period of one year, so what happened? The trash that you saw, we got it out every week, and we had trucks that came in, load um, the, the trucks with the trash, and they took it to the dump site. And so within a period of one year, we are able to achieve the next slide that you see. That is what happened within 12 months. Isn't God wonderful? This story is not just a story of a community for me. It is the story of my life. Because as I look at my life, I remember the trash. I remember the garbage. And I remember how God has worked in me. And how God has cleansed my heart. And this community is still clean like you're seeing this photo today. Because whilst we walked with the guys to walk in the trash, my wife and other ladies in the church they engaged the women in hygiene workshops. They taught them about hygiene, taught them that if you keep throwing trash into this ditch, your children will keep dying, you'll keep suffering from malaria, and within the period of one year, they finally got the message. So they were able to know that the only way to keep them and their children safe, their family safe, was no dumping of trash. And so they finally got the message. And as I said, as I look at it, I see my own life, how God has worked in me. And ladies and gentlemen, is it not true that when God removes the garbage from our heart, the Holy Spirit flows? It is my prayer this morning that the Spirit of God will flow in your life. That the Spirit of God will remove the garbage. When there are no hindrances. There are no obstacles. The Holy Spirit flows through our lives. He uses us in ways we would have never imagined. 
That is what God wants to do in our lives today. He wants to use us in ways we have never imagined. Ways you have never thought possible. That is what he wants to do in our lives. And so because of what God did in my life and in this community, we are ready to step out into other communities. As I said at the start, my wife and myself, we grew up in the city and we had no business going to the interior except for the fact that God has called us. Because you see, my country is not like the U.S. Um, I've, one of the things I found out about the U.S. that I really like, apart from the food, you know, <laughs> is the fact that wherever you go, is developed. So, um, I have to, God help me, I have to remember all of these cities we've been to, these places. And so we were at South Bend, yeah, South Bend, Indiana. And I found out most of what I saw in Indianapolis, in the downtown, I who came to South Bend, I saw the same. The fast foods, the good roads, the nice houses, the water, electricity. It's amazing. Okay, now we are here. Portage, it's the same thing. We go to another community, it's the same thing. In my country, once you move far from the city, you are heading into darkness. You understand what I mean? No light, no electricity, no pipe burn water, no good road network. The other day we drove from, yeah, um, Indy to Cincinnati at Springdale Church, and wow, highway, I think, if I remember correctly, 465, don't blame me if I miss it, I'm not an American anyway, so you know, <laughs> and I think coming to um, Rensselaer and South Bend and here, I think it was, is it 65? I'm doing well, 65, you know, <laughs> so I mean, nice roads, smooth roads, <laughs> back home, as you begin to move from the city, just know you are entering where? Darkness. So I really like what I'm seeing here, what I see here. And so, next slide, please. So that's, that's us. This is my wife. You see, this is our, this is our 465. <laughs> that's our 465. That's our 65. You know, yeah. <laughs> this is what takes us from one, one, one place to another. And you know, un un unlike your 465, where it's, it's nice and it's stable and you do 75, 85 kilometers per hour, here, you, as you are riding, the birds are, you know, you know what I mean? The birds are dancing. <laughs> those wooden planks, they are dancing. And so the only thing we can use to those places are motorcycles. And even with the motorcycle, you have to, quite, you have to be very, very careful. And so my wife, other ladies, we are now, we have now left the city and we are heading into the interior. Next slide, please. So you recognize this person here? He looks like me. Yeah, sure. Struggling on the 465, eh? <laughs> yeah. Moving. With, uh -huh. So that's a clear picture, photo of my wife. She's the one on that side. And so grace says no limits. This is it. Once you have experienced the grace of God in your life, then there is no limit. There is no limit 
Nothing can stop you from serving God. Going beyond your comfort zone. How many of us like to stay in our comfort zones? We all do. We all do. We all do. We go to some of these places and we have to sleep on the floor. That's it. That's the only bed you have. Something on the floor. But we do it. Why? Because the grace of God has worked in our lives. The grace of God has worked in our lives. God has called us to do this. Service in and out of the church. Next slide, please. And so this is a, a drilling machine. It drills boreholes, water wells, right? Water wells. Most of these communities, no pipe burn water at all. And so they have to work one hour, one hour, 30 minutes to go and fetch water. Children arrive in school, at school in the morning. The first thing the teacher asks them to do, go and fetch water. Can you ever imagine that in, in America? Your child goes to school in the morning and the teacher says, go and fetch water. Is it possible? No way. But that's what happens back home. And so we begin to, again, with the help of NCM, we are able to do all of this that we are doing. Next slide, please. So again, you recognize the guy there. He looks like me, right? And then this is one of the guys that have been trained to do the boreholes. Next slide. So this is the outcome. Eventually, we get them. The borehole is set. The water well is ready. The hand pump is installed. And we, they are ready to fetch water. And we have a big celebration in these communities. Next slide, please. So basically, it's the same. The women are getting ready to fetch water. Another interesting thing you must also know <laughs> is that in these communities, men don't fetch water. You know who fetch water? You can guess. Sorry? Women and children. Correct. And so the man is a big man. Let me sit close to you. The man gets to sit like this. He's drinking some wine with some other men, and they cross their legs, and then the women and the children, they go fetch water. Wow, can you imagine? So, if you go back there, it's, it's a terrible sight. The men sit down and have fun. And the women and the children go to fetch water. And all of that will get to change as we, the church, reach out to them and we begin to teach them. And then the men begin to change. So the water wells are provided. And this is what happens. We provide these water wells not just for the people in the church. We tell everybody in the community this water well is for the entire community. It is there to serve the community. It is not there just to serve the Christians. It is not there to serve those in the church of the Nazarene, but it is there to serve the communities. And you know what happens? Once, as a church, we are able to reach out to them and show them the love of Christ, 
the compassion of Christ, how grace transforms these communities, these people, even though they are Muslims, some of them, their hearts begins to open to receive the gospel. Next, please. And so, um, as we continue to do all of that, the church leadership in West Africa, like Reverend Rich was saying, um, Africa is just is one region in the church amongst the other region. But in Africa, we actually have seven fields. And so we have Africa West Anglophone, which I work with, English Anglophone meaning English-speaking countries. So we have five countries, Ghana, Nigeria, Liberia, Sierra Leone, and the Gambia. Then we have Africa West Francophone, which is the French countries. We have Africa Eastfield. We have Africa Lusophone Field. We have Africa South Field. We have Africa Central Field. So these are the fields in Africa, and we are broken up just into the normal geographical locations, you know. And so um, in 2020, before 2020, Africa West was just Africa West was just one field. It had both a mix of English and French-speaking countries. And so, um, and I was serving as the assistant FSE all those years. But in 2020, the Board of General Superintendents approved that the Africa West field be separated. And so that was how it was now divided into Africa West English and Africa West French. And it was that time I was asked to serve as the field strategy coordinator for Africa West Field. So in that field, we have 10 districts, 10 districts, and we have about 350 churches, and the countries are five, like I've said, Gambia, Ghana, Liberia, Nigeria, and Sierra Leone. And so the plan is sometime next year, after the General Assembly, um, my wife, myself, and my family, we have been asked to move to Nigeria, where we are going to work. Um, Nigeria is going to um, serve as the, the base for our, our field. Be the reasons are because Nigeria has, next, next slide, please. Okay, so this is basically, I'm coming to that, this is basically the map. Um, of Africa, and West Africa is right here by the coast. And so you can see the various countries that we work with. Banjul, the Gambia, it's so small, it's almost inside Senegal. So Senegal is a French-speaking country, but the Gambia is English-speaking country. That's right up there. And then coming down, you see Freetown, where my wife and myself, we come from, Sierra Leone, right there. And then next to Sierra Leone, there is Monrovia, Liberia, that's the, the, capi, the, the city is Monrovia, the country is Liberia, and then you move through Côte d'Ivoire, which is French, you come over to yeah, Abidjan, Côte d'Ivoire, then Ghana, Ghana, Accra, and then Togo, which is French, Lome is French, I mean, Togo is French, Lome is the capital of Togo, and then Lagos, Nigeria. You see Nigeria, you can see the big space on the map. So Nigeria has 
a population of a little over 200 million people. And Lagos itself, I think Lagos is the third largest city in the world. And so what has been happening in the church of the Nazarene, mostly the church, the church, churches are started in the suburbs, in the villages. And so our people move to the city just because of the same reason I told you. Um, the further you go from the city back home, the, the further you go from development. That is beginning to change in some countries like Ghana and Nigeria. But once our people move from the interior to the cities to look for opportunities, and they don't, um, they come to the to the city, they don't find the church. And so now we have we are beginning to plant churches in all of these big capitals like Lagos, like Abuja, like um, Accra, and all the rest of it. And so that's where we are moving next year by the grace of God. Next slide, please. So, yeah, that's the population. And as I close, I want to ask you that you find a place in your heart to partner with us in prayer. Um, Nigeria, where we are going to, is known for insecurity. If you've ever had a place where Muslims walk into a church and set them ablaze, then that's the country I'm talking about. And so we need your prayers as we go there. We need you to partner with us. And so as I come to a close, two things. Partner with us in prayer. And if you are here this morning, the struggle is going on in your life. I want you to know you are not alone. God wants to give you victory. I want to invite you to just step forward and come to the altar as we ask Pastor Rich to come up and join us and he will be praying for us. Just come up this morning. If you want God to do that work in your life. You want to say, God, I want, to, I want you to help me to make this surrender. I want you to help me to bring me to this place of victory. To bring me to this place where the struggle in my life, you will be able to do your work in my heart. I want to invite you to come to the altar this morning. Let us pray and trust the Lord that he will do that work in our life. You're welcome to come. Let's go. Let's go. God wants to do that work in your life. He wants to bring us to that place of victory. To that place where the power of sin over our lives is broken. He wants to take us through that struggle and grant us grace to serve him, to live for him.